You're listening to Chew on That. And here's what we're chewing on today. Anybody ever had a dream that just gone, destroyed, crumbled? You feel like there's no hope, no chance. Just you had a dream, but it just slipped through your grasp. I want to challenge you to dream again. I want to challenge you to pick it up one more time. To not give up on whatever that dream was, to dream again. And we're going to go to a guy that was known as a dreamer in Genesis 37, verse number five, it says, Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. Has anybody ever shared a dream with somebody, something you wanted to do, aspirations, vision, some plan that you had to change the world and people just hated you because of it? Yeah, when you have a big dream, people don't like that because it makes them feel small about themselves when they don't dream quite as big as you do. So it's, it's, it's natural for some people to really hate you and not like you because you have a big dream, a dream for a business, a dream for your church, a dream for uh, your family, a dream for your kids. Some people aren't going to like you. Let me take you to the word of God. And we're going to go to Genesis chapter 37. If you got your phones or you can follow along, the scriptures will be on the screen. I'll just read a couple of verses here as we get into what I want to call this message today, Dream Again. Hey, welcome to Chew On That. My name is Pastor Keith, and you're joining us for a podcast where we dig deeper into the most recent sermon from the current sermon series happening here at Life Church in Green Bay. Hey, we are discussing week number four. We're all sure of that. I yes. think so. We're yeah. discussing week number four from the sermon series, uh, The Rise After the Fall. Again, my name is Pastor Keith, and joining me, as always, my friends, Pastors Dallas and Megan. Hello. <laughs> What's up? What's up? Hi, I, guys. I was trying to think of, an, of a, a, a funny voice, and I just, I just went with ah. I was gonna, I was gonna, I was giving you the time to do yeah. your voice, and then I was like, all right. Oh, speaking of voices, I, I, I watched a video yesterday of a guy who did a perfect Jeff Goldblum voice, oh, and he that's did it, nice. and he did it to Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> like he talked to he Jeff impressed? Goldblum as, oh yeah, he, he thought it was great. Nice. And so I just, I don't, I don't remember his name, but people are like, you're going, I know who that is. I just, I can't remember his name, but it was in, was it a video? It was a video. It was like, I think it was like on TikTok and he was just doing it. it, and it was, can you find it again? I, I, right now? Well, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I can add stuff to the show notes. Um, I want to say his <laughs> name was, I think he was like Matterday Nightlife. So it was like Saturday with an M. Ah. Matterday Nightlife. And you're, you're good for that? You're, I, I, you're going to commit on that? I think that's, I'm pretty sure on that. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Nice. Well, should we just say that it's in the show notes so you can watch it? Sure. Yeah. Okay, yeah. How weird would it be if somebody came up to you and did a perfect impression of you to you? It's like, oh, I love you it. have studied me so much. <laughs> oh, I'd love it. Oh, I'd love it. <laughs> <laughs> you know all of my my mannerisms and like exactly how I say something. I'd be so freaked out. I'd be like, don't do that. <laughs> I, I think I would love it, but I also think I'd be like, wait, I sound like that? Yeah. Because sometimes too. when I hear myself on this podcast, I go, wait, I sound like that? Why is my voice higher than I normally talk? To me, I, I actually, I, I, I think sometimes I go around and go, hi, everybody, it's me, Dallas. But then I go on a podcast and I sound like this for some reason. I just, I, but I probably really do sound like that. I just have to get over that. Ooh, the, one, the one thing I'm told is I got a really deep voice for a podcast. I you, gotta, you got a good radio I gotta, voice. I, I, gotta, yeah, you I do. got a radio voice, yeah. Yeah, but I, I don't think I have this in real life. Like, I don't, I don't think this is what I sound like. In in the so real you world. have you have a podcast voice. I and think then I you do. Have a, a a regular voice. I, I truthfully think I do. That's you, interesting. You switch it. I do. I don't know. I, I get a little bit closer to the mic, <laughs> and the closer <laughs> I get to the mic, the more bass there is. Because when I'm yeah. back here, when I'm back here, I think I sound like this normally. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Bo 
tell when I get close to the mic. I have a good radio voice. That That's is true. I hear people who are like, oh, you know, so-and-so has a, a stage voice or a stage persona. And I think, I do think that that's kind of common for people yeah. to have like, you know, the, the one that you got to turn on, like, yeah. all right, I got to mm-hmm. turn this on now. And then I can go shut off and be at home and mm-hmm. talk how I normally talk. Well, I try to keep it the same. I yeah. think, I think you're pretty consistent because as a person that hears you from the stage and yeah. then hear, yeah, I think you're pretty consistent. Sean, I think is pretty consistent too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, think so. so. He talks really fast on so, stage, though. His his, his syncopation, his pacing is really good. Yeah, he doesn't talk yeah. that fast in normal life. There's, a, I don't know. Does he? Sometimes. Here's the thing: when he gets, I would he agree with going. you. I think when he gets going, yeah, that's for when sure. that's when the hip hop rhythm comes in. <laughs> he's, 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 he's like talking to a beat that's in his head. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> in fact, I would challenge anyone to listen to Pastor. And then in one ear and in the other ear, just put instrumentals and see if it matches. Mm. <laughs> I think you're gonna. I think you're gonna be right ninety percent of the time. I'm, I'm willing yeah. to put a dollar on that. Yeah. So t- we had we had a guest this week. Yeah. Um, we are. What we're at the halfway point here with the rise after the fall. We have no idea. <laughs> we have. I, oh no, I two think, more. Yeah. I think, two more guests um, coming more guests. up, but there's Easter in there, and so yeah. You mean Resurrection Sunday? Resurrection yeah, Sunday is coming you? up on this Sunday here. And so oh, boy. <laughs> Resurrection Sunday is a, uh, the message does fall in line yeah. with a, the rise after the fall uh, with the sermon series. Mm-hmm. Um, I am, I'm making new media material for this one-off though. It's not necessarily a one-off coming up here on Sunday. It's, it, it can fall in line mm-hmm. with, uh, with, with the sermon, but yeah, we, so we have, we're about halfway through, uh, our, our our guest pastor this Sunday was Pastor Kendall Bridges. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What did you guys think? Oh, I thought he was great. I really, really dug him um, uh, to the point where I, I was, I guess I was a little too loud. Pastor Sunday goes, oh, I heard you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, well, bro, during, we during worship, like yeah. during, I heard you during worship. I was playing bass this Sunday. Yeah. I heard, but here's the thing. When I hear you, yeah. you like, you give so much confidence to me. Like when I hear you in the back, it's like a green light. Like, oh. like. Dallas has the Time back. Dallas yep. has the back end of this church. He has that on lockdown. Yeah. I got to get the front end. Of this Were you church all the way at the back? Oh yeah, all the way in the all back. All the way in the back. And it, it made wow. sense because uh, we we had a you know because I am the kids pastor, so I wanted to make sure if we needed to call a parent, you know, I could be available if there was any incidents, and and both happened. So, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it was great. I know we're going to talk about the message, and but the the worship was really on it today. I mean, this Sunday, man, <laughs> yeah. I was I felt bad for so so. Also, the reason I was in the back is because I like to, I'm not a person who just stays in one place and worships. I'm a mover around. And I think some people probably are like, oh, that's great. And some people are like, I hate that he does that. You know? <laughs> but I was, I found myself like, like kind of charging worship, like the, you know, the, the battlefield worship. And I just, I, I don't know if the person that I was uh, in front of was like, would you not get off? Like, come on, you're getting really close to me. I don't know. I don't know what happened, but I was, yeah, I was, I was getting it. Yeah. Uh, so it was really, really good. Yeah. Pastor Kendall, he was good. I yeah. thought I'm, yeah. I'm very excited to dive into the things that he was talking about, because I think there's a temptation there to be like, I don't know. I don't know if that's relevant. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. But I can't wait to talk about it because I think it's so relevant. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. He is a super polished presenter. Yes, I told that is. after, after the two, uh, two services, yep. we went upstairs in studio A and we recorded his sermon again. So the man was just laying down sermons left and right. And yeah. uh, when I pressed stop on the cameras, I told him, I'm like, of, presenters I've filmed, which I filmed many, yeah. you are one of the most 
polished. Yeah. Like wow. there, there's not an accidental word that slips out of that guy's mouth, hmm. yeah. you know? And did you, and I, I, I was a director here for like uh, a few minutes uh, mm-hmm. on the first service on Sunday. So I was, I was in master control switching over the cameras. Did any of you get that, like get the feeling like pastor Kendall was a, like had a real, like good looking Bob Saget vibe? Ooh, I can see that. Like, yeah. I, said, I said that over yeah. the com- over the comps to the camera guys and the and the and front of house. I'm like, you know, he's he's like a, just a good looking Bob Saget. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. I can see that. He has a good style about yeah. him. Yeah, man. long well, and lean. Like, when, when, <laughs> when Sean was when Sean was introducing him, I'm like. Yeah, yeah, that's accurate. Yeah. That's yeah. it. He's the cool guy. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's yeah, the yeah. guy that when you walk in the room, you're like, all right, I got to buddy up with this guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If I buddy up with this <laughs> guy, then, then they're going to assume that that's I'm fine. cool too. Yeah. yeah, Pastor Kendall was that. He was- yeah. I, enjoy, I enjoyed everything he said. And I also love, because it is the rise after a fall, so it's a very testimonial, but I love, like like you said, Megan, the, the content that he brought with it. It wasn't just a testimonial. It was, he oh, had yeah. a great message that he just put his testimony in. Mm-hmm. So I think it's even good for, for people to listen to and just not go, okay, I don't want to hear another testimony. It's more, it was yeah. more than a testimony. It was a, a great message. If you guys, if you guys listening have an opportunity to uh, go onto our social medias and watch like the, the clips that we pulled from the service. I pulled them from the service yesterday. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you heard me cause Megan's one office down, but I was out vocally out loud, like going, what the yeah. bro, bro. <laughs> I, w- I probably even said, Oh crap. But like, yeah. not even, but like not crap out loud. <laughs> like I was, when I was p- cutting, like pulling these clips, I'm like, dude, yeah, that's some stuff, man. Yeah. Holy smokes. Like, yeah, he he was he he thoroughly impressed me. Like the kids me. say, fire. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, fire, bro. Yeah, it it was. Yeah, he let's thoroughly impressed me. So let's uh, let's get rolling. And we know Joseph had this dream. His first dream, he saw these bundles of sheaves of grain bowing down to him. And he told his brothers, Hey, I had this dream. Guess what guys and y'all were all bowing down before me. You know, no big brother, uh, would, would allow your little brother to talk to you like that. You probably beat him up. Well, they hated him for it. But then it says in verse number nine, he had another dream or one version says he dreamed again. Yeah. He dreamed again. The second dream was even bigger than the first dream. He saw the sun, moon, the stars all bowing down to him. Of course, that brought his mother and father into it. And his dad heard this dream and his dad had a little problem with this, but didn't say anything. Sometimes even the people that are closest to you will have a problem with your dream because they can't see what you see. They can't see what's inside of you. But I want to challenge you to dream again. And even look at verse 19. It says, then, uh, as he was going to where, to where his brothers were, the brothers saw him and they called him. Here comes that dreamer, sarcastically, just putting him down. You're going to have people that are going to put you down for your dream. That's okay. That's all right. Let them talk. Let them, let them cut you down. Let them say whatever they want. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. And verse 20 says, come now, let's kill him. That escalated real quick, didn't it? Let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. So four different passages here and each one, the common thread in each one is Joseph's a dreamer. He's got dreams that have caused him some problems, but he's hanging on those dreams. He's dreaming again. His brothers are going to come against him and see what comes of his dreams. Dreams. 
You know, there's different seasons of our life. Some are for planting, some are for growing, and some are for reaping. And these seasons will continue until Jesus comes back. There will always be a time to plant, a time to grow, and a time to harvest. We know this. Uh, and people can be in different seasons at different times. And so maybe you're in a planting or a growing or, or a harvest season. That may not necessarily be what where somebody else is, even in your family or your close friends, you know? And um, when Joseph had his dream, he started entering into a new season that his brothers, they didn't see or understand. Uh, but hear me on this. The dream, it wasn't frivolous. The dream was to satisfy what, what it wasn't just to satisfy what was in Joseph's heart. The dream was, was God's dream. Yeah. And the dream actually leads to provision and protection. It's not just a, it's not like asking for a Lamborghini and getting one. Like it's not that kind of a dream, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like this dream had a purpose. And you know, for a long time, I wasn't, I wasn't in a dreaming place. And I think some of that was good because there were problems that were really close to my face, right? Yeah. That like I needed to address first. And God was like, before we work on all the dreaming stuff, <laughs> let's talk about this stuff, yeah. right? And like get through some of this stuff. Um, but slowly, you know, God. And so when you step out of that problem focused season, you can feel like you're not called to dream. Like you don't have that luxury and you start to forget what it even feels like to dream. Yeah. I, I wonder how many people are not walking in their dream or what you said purpose because they've listened to those closest to them. They've listened to their, to the, the, the family members, the best friends from kindergarten. Mm. And they are not walking in their purpose because either they were told it's ridiculous or they were, they were made fun of for it. Uh, I, I, I can definitely understand that because I felt called into ministry um, very young. I, I, I think I was 13 years old mm. and it did not come with um, praise or like, you know, claps or like, yes, you know, it was, it was came with, I don't, I would rethink that. I, I remember the phrase, you you know, they don't make a lot of money. Hmm. You're always going to be poor. <laughs> you know, those Thanks. things come up and, and, and so you have to remind yourself that is your purpose, your dream, your calling, is it bigger than the opinions? Um, mm -hmm. Because, and because the reality is it is. We just have to remind ourselves of that. We just have to focus on that and go, you may not agree with this, but this dream, this calling, this purpose isn't for you. It's for me. Yeah. And so, you know, so it's very, you know, I think that's why it, it, I think it talks about in scripture, be mindful of who you, yes. you, you, you bring in yeah, because and, they may tear it down and make you walk away from it. Right. I think dreams can look like a lot of different things. You could be dreaming for your family to be whole. You could be dreaming for, for health. You could be dreaming just to survive for the next two years. Like, mm -hmm. so we don't instantly have to assume, Ooh, dreams. Okay. Big. You need to, you want to go start 10 businesses or you want to go be a top podcaster or have a vlog. I don't know. But like the, those aren't necessarily always the dreams, right? Like yeah. sometimes dreams are even just a little bit more Mm -hmm. practical, like yeah. you're saying. Yeah. How many, uh, Dallas, I'll ask you. Yeah. How many people in the United States do you think are actually pursuing a dream? Oh, like uh, give me a percentage. I don't think it's high. I think it's, I think in my opinion, I think it's, um, I think it's lower than it should be. I would say it's lower than half, uh, of people in the United States because I do think, 
you it's easy to be manipulated not to. I was just hearing about Elon Musk, uh, one of his dreams. Do you know that one of his dreams is to land on Mars? Now we could say that and go, that's ridiculous, but that's what dreams are about. Dreams are about believing for the mm-hmm. ridiculous to happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think when you're vocal about it and it's, and cause here's the thing, it is going to sound ridiculous to some people, but it's not their dream. It's your dream. So I feel like because of that, like they, you, you have people who go, that's stupid. And people go, you're right. And I think there's more people who say you're right. In my opinion, now someone might be listening to podcasts go, no, I think it's higher than that. I think a lot of people are, 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 you know, pursuing their dreams. Maybe, but you know, if you look at, you know, we can, we can focus on so many people who've achieved so many things than, than not. And so it makes me go, I think if we had more people dreaming or achieving their dreams, we'd be like, I don't know. There's, you know, I can't think of one person. I can think of five people right now who I can see go, yeah, they pursued their dreams because I think less people are pursuing them than they, than I think God wants us to. I think he wants more of us to be like Joseph, in my opinion. So So, uh, a follow-up to that, how many people close to you (laughs) have you, would you look at and say, not right now, but in your past, you have pursued your dream and you accomplished it. People close to me, I again, that's it's. I does seen, that number decrease from the fifty? Yes, and that's and and I, I wish, man, I wish I could because I'm a positive person. Yeah. I'm a half sure. glass full guy. I I wish more people pursued dreams. I wish more people, you know, said, "Hey, I have an idea," and they ran with it. And um, but I can tell you, I can probably. I can I can probably think of a handful of people that right. have probably pursued a dream they had. I agree. I, I I agree. As as I was asking it, I was thinking like if there was somebody, if I had a a friend that wanted to do something in life, could do I know somebody else to be like, oh, you should talk to so and so because yeah. they had that same idea, want, desire, dream, mm-hmm. and they accomplished it. Yeah. Let me get you his number. Yeah. And that, and that number of people is small for me. Yeah. Megan, how many? How many people in your immediate circle presently are, do you think are pursuing their dreams? Like, like, like when people are pursuing their dreams, it's an infectious, it's an infectious attitude. Like how many people in your immediate circle? Um, I can think of two. Does that number seem low? It's very low. And it's the thing, if you think about our, our, our country too, there's so many organizations and things like we want we want to support this and we want mm-hmm. to help you with this and so it's not that as a country we are against dreams i just think that as a population we we can listen to the dream killers what, more than the dreamers what right? does a dream require what is the main ingredient that you have to pour in with a dream it's faith <laughs> I just don't know if you're waiting for an answer. No, I, no, I was. It's re- faith. I, I actually stepped away from my chair because I was like, I want, I want Megan to answer this. Yeah, yeah. I totally agree. And w- w- faith is the easiest thing to pick on. Yeah. It is so easy, yeah. and the enemy is very good at taking faith down, stripping it down, making you feel like, hey, gosh, I don't know, because we have to have faith in the unseen. We have to have faith in the 
in the protection and the provision of God to accomplish the dream, yeah. right? When it's when it's a, a God-given dream. Yes. We can dream up all the dreams we want and we know the, the plans of man are many. And well, you can have faith in those dreams, sure. But I'm talking about God-given, God-inspired dreams that yeah. you have within you. And like I said before, that, that can... Those range, those range a lot, those dreams. And so um, I think we all have something in our life that's a dream, Yeah. but how much faith we're willing to invest in that dream is the the um, the main ingredient, whether yeah. or not we will see that dream come to fruition in the way that God wants it to come to fruition. Yeah. It's like the catalyst of keeping your yes. dreams strong. I was going to say catalyst, yes. Yeah, it's the thing that you go, <laughs> yeah. you know what? I have faith that, that God's going to do this in me. So I have faith that God's going to make this dream come true too. Yeah. And so I think that's that's got to be the deterrent. That's got to be the thing that goes, yeah, I I know that you said that, but I still want to do this. And I think, and that's for me personally, I think that's what's helped me achieve some of my dreams is go, yeah, I hear you, but I still want to do it. Mm. I still want to, yeah. you mm-hmm. know, it's kind of like uh, jumping into a pool from the deep end, you know, like, Hey, wh-, you know, people could tell you, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. I, I, yeah. I get all of your reasonings, but I still want to do it. I still want to try yeah. it, you know? And I think that's, yeah, that's pursuing dream is going, you know, I believe I'm just going to believe God's going to be in this. Something I, um, when I, when I talk with, with guys at the church and listen to their stories and, uh, try to help out where I can after hearing them. Uh, the, a question I, I often ask, um, it's because guys, I think it's specifically guys in a specific age range have uh, this desire to, to be more. Mm-hmm. They, they have a desire. They're looking for something. And a lot of times this is wrapped up in their profession. Like they, they thought that doing this would get them that and it mm-hmm. didn't. And, the, and they wonder why. Mm-hmm. Um, but a question I do uh, refer to when I, when I speak with men that have profession, like professional uh, uh, letdown, is what did five-year-old so-and-so want to do? Mm. Yeah. Let's, let's say their name's Bob. What did five-year-old Bob want to do? Mm-hmm. And I asked Megan, Megan, I asked you this just, just what, was it last week or the week before about, and you told me you wanted to be a writer, mm-hmm. yeah. you know? And it's a question I ask a lot of my friends closest to me because that's, to, if we were to think and act like a child, yeah, that childlike faith, mm. like you said, yeah, it's very important. Then that we need to tap into our childlike desires, wants, aspirations, and dreams. Yeah. Mm-hmm. you know. So I asked Megan, "What did five year old Megan want to do? Is this what five year old Megan wanted to do?" And uh, because I'm curious, because I I, I want to know more about my friend. Mm. Yeah, and yeah. and then Megan said, which to me sounds like. A, like as a, as a cheerleader, I'm like, yeah, go do it. But like, mm. to another human being, they'd be like, well, that's, that's a ridiculous, uh, that's ridiculously ambitious. Right. And Megan said that she wanted to write a novel. Right. And for me, I, as a person that doesn't read novels, that sounds, that sounds, that sounds huge. Yeah. yeah. I couldn't do it. That sounds, right. am, but it, it was, a, it was vulnerable. Yes. She was vulnerable when she told me five-year-old Megan wanted to write books. Yeah. Mm. You know? And then, and f- when I ask people that question and when they answer it sincerely, I know more about them. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I, I see, I, I saw the childlike person inside of them that had faith mm-hmm. that before the world beat you down and you start playing by the world's wow. rules before I beat you down, what was the wild things that, that in kindergarten, first grade, and they say, what do you want to be when you grow up? And you drew pictures. Most of them drew like football players, yeah. basketball players, the president. Astronaut. Yeah, astronaut. Yeah. I want to be a dinosaur. You know? <laughs> like, what, if you're listening, like, what, 
I'll ask you that question right now. If you're listening, what did five-year-old you want to do? Yeah. Are you doing it? Mm-hmm. Did you do it? Five-year-old Keith, I drew on a piece of paper what I wanted. I remember this clearly. It was at Lincoln Elementary in, in Green Bay. Mm-hmm. What, I, what I wanted to be when I grew up. I drew a picture and I ended up doing it. Nice. Mm. I ended up doing it pretty early in my life. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think I should have set the bar higher. <laughs> but I remember what I wrote on the piece of paper. Uh, that it looked like an ambitious child, like, yeah, that's, that's cute. But, you know, everyone, everyone puts, everyone who touches a guitar says that. Wow. Yeah. And, but uh, sure enough, it happened. Mm-hmm. Right. And then I'm in a season of my life since maybe 25. They're like, well, now what? Mm-hmm. Now what do I do? So new dreams had to, had to, had sprout up. And you know, when I got new dreams, I, I asked myself, well, you know, five-year-old Keith wanted to do this and he did it. Mm-hmm. What could 25-year-old Keith do? What does he want to do? Yeah. And I dream big still. I'm, yeah. I'm I, people that know me know I'm a, I'm like a dreamer. Mm-hmm. I am, I am, I am a motivator, I'm a cheerleader and I, I'm a dreamer. And, and I think sadly too much of the country, too much of the world, too much of the city, uh, the world has gotten to you and, and sadly you think that those things that five-year-old you were wanted to do are impossible to do. Let, let's put it this way. Do you think right now God looks down upon the earth? He sees the suffering. God sees the war. God sees the, the hungry. He sees everyone. And do you think God's going, man, they all need to quit dreaming and just get focused. <laughs> yeah. That's not God. Yeah. No. That's not God. That's not the God I serve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. That's no. The, my, I love, I ask my kids because, because that question had been so influential in my, in my career, in my life. Um, I ask my kids a lot. And when I meet my friends, kids, or when I talk to them, I'll ask them that. What do you, what do you want to be when you grow up? Mm-hmm. You know? And, and when kids say they're, what their aspirations are, I'd be like, yeah, good. Go for it. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. You can do it. Um, I am a little worried when some kids be like, I don't know. And they're in like middle school. Yeah. 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 So, (laughs) (laughs) so there's that, but yeah, I, yeah. And I had a dream of pastoring a church of 2000 people, multicultural congregation in a metropolitan city. Now I'd grown up in a little town of about 15,000 people in a church of 200 white people my whole life. That's it, it's all I'd ever seen, it's all I'd ever known. So to have this dream, I don't even know where it came from. I'd never been in a church bigger than, I don't know, three or 400 people. So I don't know where it came from other than God. So I had this dream. So I'm at Bible school, I'm studying, preparing, have this dream at 19 years of age, which is the youngest you could apply for credentials with the Assemblies of God. I said, I'm in, I'm going, I'm applying. I want my credentials to preach that gospel. So I go before this credential committee and I walk in and there's like six guys there and they're all, it's looked like they're, it's looked like they're doing their best to try to intimidate you. And they won't smile at you and just stare at you. And, and they ask me this question. Son, how do you know you're called into the ministry? And I started struggling because I didn't really know how to articulate that because there was no audible voice. There was no writing on the wall. There was nothing in the sky that said you're called into the ministry. And I was really struggling. And in fact, I was thinking, man, I can't even answer this first question. What, what am I doing here? 
and I was struggling. There was a guy there on that committee that saw me struggling and he said, let me ask you another question, Kendall. What do you feel like you're called to do? I said, oh, that's easy. I'm called to pastor a church of 2,000 people in a metropolitan city, multicultural congregation. Well, you know, I kind of expected a little bit of support. I expected somebody to high five me, you know, you know, chest bump, you know, way to go. You can do it. Go for it. But no, there was nothing. There was doubt and unbelief in that room. Nobody appreciated my dream. And one man could see my discouragement and he reached across the table and he grabbed me by the arm and he said, go for it, Kendall. You can do it. I believe in you. You can do it. I don't remember any of those other men that were in that room today, except that one man who said, I believe in you, you can do it. Go for it, you can do it. I, th I think it's so important that we surround ourselves with people who will help us walk in our purpose, our dreams, our calling. I think it's also so important that you cannot, you, you, you can't afford to walk in the excuse of, I don't have any Jesus friends, or I can't find anyone, you know, I can't, I hear that, we hear that excuse a lot, not just our church, but many churches that will people go, I couldn't connect with anyone there. And the reality is if you're hungry, you'll eat. Like you're not gonna go, well, I starve because no one fed me. Yeah. Mm. No, if you're hungry enough, you'll eat, you'll find a way. And so I, I, I wanna encourage you, if you don't have Jesus friends, get hungry enough to find Jesus friends. And how can you do that? You can do that at a church. You can do that in a small group. You can do that, you know, you can you can make a way. If, and so, you know, don't just walk around and go and like, okay, why is not anyone talking to me? Go talk to someone, go say hi to someone. You know, ask them a little of their story, you know, make the connection because the reality is when God gives us a dream and he gives us a calling, you're, you're, we already said it. You're going to have people who sur surround you and don't believe in it. You got to have those people go, I love that. And I believe God's going to do something in that. Mm -hmm. And they're going to keep you accountable to that. You need those people in your life. You don't need the naysayers. You need the encouragers. You need the people who go, you know, like, you need this. And so, you know, so don't walk in that excuse. Don't allow yourself going, I tried, I tried, but you know, no, 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 no. Try, push for it. Be hungry enough to say, I am going to make relationships. Is, oh, is there, is there a life group coming up? Cool. I'm going to go. Is there a guy's group? I want to go to it. Is there a girl's group? I'm going to go to it. Like make yourself available enough to surround yourself with people who will believe in you, who will encourage you, who will help you go from where you are to where God wants you to be. Like be that person who doesn't walk in excuse, but walks in hunger for, for, you know, strong Jesus people in your life. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen it. I've seen it firsthand. People mm -hmm. who come to the life group and they are hungry and they want connection. And I think we forget that we all feel a little awkward talking to other people. Okay, let's just say it. Like it can be hard. It can be hard to hold eye contact, to, to think and have the conversation and wonder if you sounded dumb. And like, we all worry about those same things. Don't let that be the thing that holds you back from stepping out, from forming a connection, from forming a relationship where you could have the chance to have somebody in your life who texts you out of the blue and says, God told me to pray for you this morning. And 
you know, you know what, girl, I'm, I'm just cheering you on and I want you to know that. And yes. like, mm-hmm. and I prayed specific prayers for you today about your kids or, you know, whatever it is, because that, again, those are, those connections are from God and they will serve you so well because you need encouragement in your life. And if you think, well, I've got it, you know, I've got this or I've got that, or I read my Bible, I've, I'm all right. I don't, I don't really need that. I promise you, you you're missing yes. out on something. Yeah, you do. It's impossible. It's like, yeah, it would be impossible for me to be on this trajectory that I'm on mm-hmm. without the people around me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know, uh, if we're talking just community at a church, I didn't know that I was so lonely until I met the guys I hang out huh, with now from church. Yeah. yeah. Now I'm like, gosh, I must've been super lonely before yes. I came to life church. Yeah. Cause now I'm not lonely. Like I have really good friends, really yeah. friends. Like you said, Megan, that, mm-hmm. You know, they'll text me and say, hey, man, I'm praying for you about this. And like, wow, yeah. shoot. Yeah. I didn't even know. That. Thank like, you. Should I be praying about yeah. that too? <laughs> <laughs> like, the, it, I, yeah, where where there is a lot of people gathered in his name, there he'll be. Yeah. So it's super tough to to grow at that accelerated rate if you're just doing it yeah. by yourself. And yeah. God will provide. If you're listening and you need those friends, pray for those friends. Mm-hmm. Because I found my best friends in a season where all of us separately before we knew each other, were all praying for friends at the exact same time. Yeah. And we mm. came together and became friends. And those are my closest friends. Yeah. And so pray for that. God will provide. I, I want to do what Keith typically does. I want to ask a question because I love that Kendall said, well, I remember. You, you can when you're the host. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, when Kendall said, I remember his name because he believed in me. Um, can you think of one person? Can you name a person who believed in you? Like on the flip side, I can remember one person that told me what I dreamed as a 17 year old was silly. I remember him. I remember his face. I remember where we stood in the room. Mm -hmm. I remember, I I remember that Mm -hmm. so much more clear than because uh, the stuff I dreamed about at that age yeah. were, it was ludicrous. Yeah. Right. And, uh, but I remember this distinctly because he, he, he was seasoned yeah. in the industry mm-hmm. and, and he had marginal success, like marginal success and local fame yeah. from it. Yeah. And I remember him saying, eh, it's, it's not, you should, you should have really have a plan B, but make that your plan A yeah. and have what you just told me be like your plan C. And he's like, the, and everything he said was true. Yeah. It, people that pursue this will end up bankrupt. People that pursue this mm-hmm. uh, don't excel. They don't make yeah. money. There's yeah. very little money to be made in this industry. Yeah. Now everything he said was true. His heart was in right intention. Mm-hmm. But I remember walking away from that. A, because my mom had, uh, had brought him over to talk to me. Yeah. Be like, does not, not even you, not even you. Yeah. My mom, not even my mom thinks that I can do this. Mm-hmm. So I, I left with a chip on my shoulder. So to answer your question without answering your question, yeah. there's not many people I remember that, that said, yeah, you could do that. But I do remember the people distinctly that said, no. Yeah. Mm. I get that. But th- can you think of one person who has believed in you? You can't think of one person. Well, at the, t- at the time. <laughs> no, no, not Well, just in life in general. In li- well, sure. Absolutely. Have people that believe in me. What? Na- just name one person. Well, you, be, you believe in me. I do believe in you. Yes. You, 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 you oftentimes coach me up when, mm-hmm. when I don't think that wh- wh- I'm capable of doing the next step. Mm. Now people listening are going to be like, that's the whole reason he brought this question up. He was hoping Keith would say his name. <laughs> Self-serving no, that's not, comment. No. <laughs> no. 
<laughs> Megan, can you think of one person? I can think of someone. Yep. Yep. Say it. Want me to say your name? <laughs> yeah. Uh, my coach, Michelle Melby. Nice. Why? Yep. What did she say to you? You know what? She was just always in my corner. Like she, and she was in everybody's corner. And I, mm-hmm. I loved that about her yeah. is that, um, cause like, you know, you guys know I was an ice skater, right? And there's- no. Why do you I, really? Wow. Okay. No, I, no, no, things. You, no. You have uh, video proof? Yeah, sure. Love to see it. So it's in the so, show notes below. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you want to see Megan do a double toe loop? Actually, you do you have, do you have, I, I can, we, can we get that in the show notes? <laughs> sure. It's Mom, probably not going to be in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, no, it's probably, um, you know, I had that coach and I, I had many different coaches and um, not all of them were, cheerleaders. Yeah. Like some are more um like they have to be tough on you in order to to make you worthy, yeah. right? And like uh we can be that way on other people. Like we, we were having a conversation before the podcast started about we're not we're not those people who are out to be like you're bad and you're a sinner and you need to repent and get better. And it's yeah. the same thing. It was the same thing in ice skating and coaching, right? Like the coach who builds you up, you're going to respond a lot better to. You're going to, you're going to appreciate them and you're going to remember them 15 years later as like a, yeah, you know what? She did fight for me. And so I'm glad that you asked that question because it made me sit back and think, hmm, all those things that she said to me. And you know what? That carried through professionally because I liked what she did professionally. Mm -hmm. And, um, she cheered me on in that too. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of people, but I want to highlight one person. Um, he won't be listening because he's in heaven. So, uh, but he'll be listening in heaven. I don't know why I just said like that. Like, like we don't get podcasts up here. Sorry. Um, his name we was only Ka- get serious XM. <laughs> so uh, his name was Pastor Robert Gorey. Uh, he, he gave me words that, because I was at a time I was, I was interviewing at so many churches and it just was going nowhere and I was discouraged and I was like, I'm never... I'm never going to be in ministry. And, and I, I go like, no. And I kept pointing, this guy doesn't want me. This guy doesn't want me. This guy says this, this guy. And he had to stop me and go, man, doesn't appoint. God does. If you feel you're called to this, God will put you at the, in the right place at the right time. And man, did I need to hear that? I need to hear that so yeah. bad. Man, doesn't appoint. God does. And so I carry that with me. The reason I bring that up is because if I, I'm hoping if you're listening, you can name that person who built you up. But if you can't, then you got to find that person. Mm. You got to find a person that will, who will carry, will help you pursue your dreams, pursue your calling and build you up. Not just tell you what you want to hear. We'll go, no, don't think that way. Don't be like that, which I would agree. Uh, Keith is a good example of a friend that will not just tell me what I want to hear. Sometimes Keith will tell me what I don't want to hear, but what I need to hear. Mm. And I think that's why our friendship is, is really, really great because he doesn't fluff with me. So do you have just friends who fluff with you? They won't help you get far. You yeah. want to have those people who'll build you up and, and make you go into your calling. When you get the people around you, like, like, like Pastor Dallas was saying, the, the, the fluffers, mm-hmm. um, it's gonna, in my experience, I don't have very many of those. They don't last very long in my, no. in my life because yeah. I, I, I just don't, I don't have time for non-authentic people. Yeah. You know, when I just, I don't have time for the BSers. Yeah. You know, I, I, and I don't actively say, you know what? I feel like you're BSing me. You got to get out of my life. Yep. They, they just weed themselves out. Yes. Yeah. You know, but I'll tell you what, if you, my circle is full of people that are motivators um, for me professionally a little bit, mm-hmm. right? A little bit. Uh, 
but encouragers of me being a better husband and a better father, mm-hmm. uh, a better Jesus dude. I have those in spades. And it had nothing to do with me. I just I just said, God, make make me available and do your will. Mm-hmm. And he's like, done. Mm-hmm. And now I'm swimming in dudes like that. And I love it. I love having mm. people that speak life into me. You know, I'm not, yeah. it's, it, we were talking about, about maybe it was before the podcast. I don't think it was during the podcast, but I, I didn't realize how lonely I was. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Until I met honest, sincere people yeah. that I met here at Life Church. Yeah. yeah. And, and now I, ha- I have, I have friends that were pre-Life Church friends that are still my friends, but yeah. Um, I don't, I don't talk to them nearly as much as, no. as I used to No, just, just because I don't know, they, the, the, the company I've, I've met here, um, they've, they've just been, they've fulfilled every prayer request yes. that I've ever had yeah. in, in life and community. Good Jesus people are fulfilling to each other. And that is the, that's the purpose in the design. You know, we're supposed to be in that close community. We're not. With the fluffers, I like how you said the fluffers. We don't get the same fulfillment from those relationships. And so we're always going to feel like, well, if this is all that there is out there, I don't need people. I hate people. Yeah, that's true. Um, Because we don't have those people who are speaking in, speaking the life in, in, in pouring that in, making you feel seen in a way that you had no idea you needed to feel seen, right? So we planted in 1989, we planted the worship center, the church that Pastor Sean spoke at and spoke about. And God blessed that church. God blessed what we were doing. We built the first assembly, got 2000 seat auditorium in Houston. It was, it reminds me a lot of life church. I mean, it was happening. We had multiple campuses, multiple churches that we had started out of that driving back and forth across town from the north to the south. God had blessed it. In fact, I even brought that man, Dr. Paul Savelle, who reached across the table and said, I believe in you, you can do it. I brought him at the dedication of our new sanctuary. And I gave him this plaque that said, because of you, the dream came true. So good. It was just, it was, God was all in this. God was faithful. And I was not. I had allowed the success of what God was doing in our life and in our ministry and in our family to go to this head. And I began to think that everything that was happening was because of me. I became very arrogant, very selfish, very prideful. On the outside, I still tried to pretend, be this humble guy, but on the inside, I was filled with pride the uh, the idea that I can and that God didn't uh, cripples crippled me in my in my younger portion of my life, and I think that that's a a thing that is crippling to a, a lot of people, mm-hmm. men and women, uh, yeah. in America today. The uh, did you see what I do? You see what I did? Mm-hmm. You see you see what I got? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that's me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, in my experience, I had to be thoroughly humbled. Yeah. And in that experience, God had to really beat me down. Yeah. And when I reached a point of uh, true rock bottom, mm-hmm. when I when I reached a rock bottom, um, 
rock bottom was just I, I, I couldn't dig. I couldn't keep up with uh, how fast my morals were decreasing. I couldn't keep yeah. up digging to lower my standards mm-hmm. at the same rate my morals were being lowered. Yeah. And when I hit a rock bottom in my life, uh, it was at that moment that I realized that God was the actual rock at the bottom wow. of my life. Yeah. And when that happened, uh, there was a there was a, a turn um, in my, my sanity, my psyche, my personality, uh, everything. Everything changed at that moment. Mm-hmm. But leading up to it, there was a lot of... Uh, uh, greed, there was um, pain, there was fear, anger. Uh, I put a lot on my own shoulders. Um, and by a lot, meaning not like like I have a lot of responsibilities because by that point in time, I made it pretty uh, apparent that I was irresponsible with everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I felt like the whole weight of the world of my own problems were on my own shoulders. Yeah. So when Kendall was uh, talking about this, I, I thought about where I was too. You know, there was a minute there where I thought I was, I was something special. Mm. Like there was a minute there where mm-hmm. I thought, you know, look, you see, you see what I'm doing. Mm. Um, all along God's been the, the master, the director, the producer, yeah. all of it behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, and since, since that portion of my life, I have had an opportunity to speak with a lot of other people that are are going through that. I know it's yeah. a thing. I know it's a real thing that people that that's a big Achilles heel with a lot of with a lot of men in particular that yeah. like they just hey, don't surrender. Mm-hmm. They don't surrender to the will of God. There you go. You yeah. surrender to the will of God, and life gets so much more simpler. There you go. Yeah. It's so much more easier. It's I don't have to keep digging, mm-hmm. right? I think we can be selfish even in how we, you were saying you were trying to carry your own problems. I think we can be selfish by saying, I'm trying to carry the world's problems. Yeah. Like I'm not yeah. going to put this stuff on God because I don't think God understands <laughs> what it's really like here right now. Right. If you could see yeah. what's really happening, God, I, I need to be, and we start making it about me. Mm-hmm. Yes. I need to be better. I need to do this. Mm-hmm. I need to do that. And that is totally selfish. Yeah. Um, it, to dream for God, I wrote this down, to dream for God is to further his mission here on earth. God wow. from the beginning has dreamed something for us. He dreamed us into existence and to deny that there is, there still are dreams and that we still should be dreaming for God um, is totally selfish. And yeah, to take on those prom- yeah. problems. Yeah. I think, and that's one of the, the hugest things you need for salvation. Hmm. That when people go, I, you know, I just, I can't, I, I tried the G's thing. I just couldn't get to work. It's because you were too much in the way of it. You know, I, I, I have to remind myself that for, for me, for the Jesus life to really work, it it can't be, you know, bringing Jesus with me. It's allowing Jesus to move through me. Yeah. And, and that through me process is complete surrender. You, not my way of doing things, not my way of thinking, not my way of responding, but your way. And that's when you think about it that way, prayer becomes different 
reading the Bible is different. Worship is different because it's going, okay, I'm, I'm praying because I want God. I want to speak to God and thank God for what he's doing through me. And I want him to help me and guide me. The word is going, you know, God, I'm reading this word, not just to get it done, but go, but how can I take this word and it go through me for other people? Worship is not just singing songs, but it's going, God, when I surrender to you, what can you do through yeah. me? And I think that's what it's got to be. It's good. It's got to be not not me with Christianity, but what can Christianity do through me? And I think when we get to that point where we get we push ourselves out of the way and go, it's not about me. It's about what he could do through me. Yeah. That's the hugest thing with that. That's and so especially good. with uh, success, yeah. when success happens, you do have to go, God, thank you for doing that through me. Because yeah. that's what Kendall talked about. He said, me, me, me. And that's why, you know, that's probably one of the products of his fall was it became me and not what God is doing through me. I had a really cool story about what happened uh, recently. And I had to check myself instantly because of the person who said it to me was a very influential person. And I, and I had to stop and go, God, thank you that you have done that. And that, that you have done this thing and that you've allowed me to be this, this Avenue for this family mm. and not going, wow, look at me, look how talented I am. No, you're not that talented. You're, you've just allowed God to move through you yeah. and, and help you creatively and, 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 uh, and thoughtfully. Cause there's ideas I come up with where I'm like, I don't know where that came from. It came from God mm -hmm. because I surrendered my will and ways to God and God is, is, uh, is doing things through me. And so in those moments, I don't want to get the credit at all. In fact, I want to stop and thank God for those cool God moments to happen. Those, what, what we call here at the church, those look at God moments to happen. I don't want any credit for that because I want it to keep happening. Yeah. If I start getting credit for it, that's when it's going to stop because I can only do so much, but God could do so much more. Now. So I know the story you're referring to. Um, how did that make you feel in that when, when that family said that about you? Oh, I loved it. I yeah. loved that, that it was just, affecting people. Okay, here, okay, I'll say this and I won't say, I, I don't want to say- I mean, I wouldn't, go into, I wouldn't go no, into detail. But they just, they when I said, hi, I'm Pastor Dallas, the person goes, oh, we know who you are. And that could that could be, that was an ego check for me. Like, oh, don't let that, don't let that mm -hmm. stay. Mm -hmm. That phrase, oh, we know who you are. Because here's the thing, I'm nothing without God. But the thing is, is God allowed them to go, oh, we know who you are. Not that I'm this, but I, we've created some content that draw their kids' attention. And that's a win because not that, oh, you're, my kids think you're funny. They, no, they love the way you teach the Bible. That's great because, again, God gave me that creativity and that ability. And so I instantly, I, I made a joke about it with my friends going like, oh, my head's getting really big. I'm having an ego check. But in all reality, I was walking around going, thank you, God, because I don't want this to be about me. I want this to be about you and what you do and what you're doing in these walls and outside these walls. I'm thankful for that. And thank you for, for giving me the ability that it is attracting people because it is. I am not that great. <laughs> I am not. I, I've just surrendered to God and God just has done things where I go, I don't know. Mm -hmm. You know, I just Jesus and, and people hate that. And in people, that in that surrendering though, it's not as if you don't get anything from it. No. So God, when you go on full surrender mode, like Pastor Dallas was saying, you're still going to get some residual effects from that. Oh, yeah. 100%. And, they, and they ain't even table scraps. Yeah. It's not a, yeah. you do this for me, Dallas, and uh, and I'll get you, I'll let you scrape the bones. Mm. Yeah. It ain't that. God says, you're going to, you're, yeah, 
yeah, you're going to do my will. You're, you want to yes. do that? Mm-hmm. I'll, heck yeah. yeah. I have more than enough things for you to accomplish. Yeah. And I promise you that if you do that with the heart you have, mm-hmm. I will reward you. Yes. And mm. that's what that is. Like guys, when we're struggling in, in, in life, like that so many of us are, mm-hmm. uh, the, the not feeling, not feeling anything, right? Mm-hmm. Like stuck, stuck where I'm at, mm-hmm. uh, career wise or family wise, you know, like, that, that's, that's just the, the red flag of, have you given up to, have you given up your will in your life over to the care of God? Yeah. And have you asked to be used? Yeah. Because if you're being used, you, you won't have those, those, those feelings, those feelings will crop up very, very minutely yeah. and immediately get taken away. Mm. Yeah. Because yeah. God, God, God knows his plans for you. Yes. He, he knew you before you were born. He knew you in the womb. Yeah. He knew everything that you could do. He knew everything that you would do. Yeah. yeah. He knew all the million different scenarios of your life. Yeah. And so he, he's, he's ready. He's ready and waiting. Yeah. yeah. Right. He loves you. Mm-hmm. He, he already saw the things that you could do that were terrible. Yeah. And some of which you have done. But yeah. he still loved you because mm-hmm. he, he sees your potential. He sees yeah. what, what you can be. And that, I love that story that Dal said because, um, because that, yeah, God pays great. Yeah. You, mm-hmm. work, you work for God, yeah. he's, he, he's handing out good paychecks. Yes. Yes. He's handing out good, good paychecks. I, there are very few people that, that work for God that are like, life sucks. Yeah. Mm. Right? Yeah. There's seasons that suck. Yeah. But that's life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they're, they're these people that, that we speak of, uh, uh, us three included, life doesn't suck. Yeah. The Bible tells me that life really can suck though. Yeah. Like that life, mm. this, this is the worst that my spirit, my soul will ever know mm-hmm. on this earth. Yeah. This yeah. is the worst it's going to be. Wow. Yeah. Right. And so even, to, even, even that, as I say that, even now, mm-hmm. this is the worst my soul will ever experience. Mm-hmm. Well, that's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> God well, pays great. Yeah. Well, I mean, Paul says it, you know, uh, when I am weak, he is strong. So I'm, and he even says, so I'm thankful for the weaknesses, meaning, you know what? I want God to strengthen me and move through me in those tough times. So it's in- interesting that it's like Paul has an aha moment in that scripture. When I am weak, he is strong. So I thank God for the weaknesses. Like, oh, aha. So God moves in my weaknesses mm-hmm. and he gives me strength. You know what? I, I bring it on weaknesses because I want God to shine and move through that. When it was found out that I was having an affair, I was so ashamed. I was so defeated. I wanted to take my life because I thought my wife didn't deserve to have to forgive me. And so still in a twisted way, I was still selfish and self-centered. And I thought, I I don't want my kids to have to look at me in shame. And I, I drove, I got in my car. I didn't tell this in the first service. I got in my car with my gun and I was gonna take my life. And I drove and I ended up driving back to the same house that I stood on when I gave my life to Jesus, back to my grandparents' old farm. It was about an hour and a half away and I was just driving, trying to figure out where am I gonna go to to end it? Where am I gonna go to put this thing to rest? Where, Where am I going? And I ended up back at that house and I got back to that same place where I'd given my life to Jesus at 16 years of age. And I started hearing those words again. Come on. Come unto Jesus. Give him your life today. 
And I remember telling God, kind of arguing with him, saying, listen, when I was 16, I had something to give you. I had my whole life in front of me. I had everything to give you, but I don't have anything to give you now. I got nothing. And what in the world would you want with this failure of a man, this failure of a husband, this failure of a preacher? What can you do with this? He says, you just give me your life and I'll take care of the rest. So good. And I remember in that moment, I said, if, if you want this, you can have it. Because I don't and I know nobody else does. But I made another commitment at that same place that I did when I was 16. I said, okay, you can have me. And I started this process of rebuilding and being restored and being healed. God started healing me and started healing my wife and I and started putting us back together till our family and our children, they went through many struggles during this time. But around 2007, we started dreaming again. I get this because I've gotten to that point where it's literally, like Keith was saying, you're at the bottom You're literally at the bottom and you realize that when you finally surrender and when you give it back to God, the only way to go is up. Mm -hmm. And there is so much more in the up for you. And God is just asking you, will you give this to me? Will you come back to me? Yeah. Will you walk back to me? And so I understand that. And I understand that when you're at the bottom and it feels so lonely and it feels so dark and it looks like there's there's no way, just know you are in the most beautiful part of your life because the only way is to go up. Yeah. Oh man. I love that. I love that. It's I love that he went back to the place because I think there are I think we have to, I don't remember the date I gave my life to Jesus. I, Cause I keep going, it was either 98 or 99. I can't remember, but I remember the place and I remember the feeling. And I remember, I actually, I remember where I was sitting. I remember where I was standing. I remember the speaker. His name was Pastor Brett Allen. Uh, they used to call him um, uh, Goldberg cause he looked like Goldberg. I mean, he was a big dude. And I just remember being when I just gave my life to Jesus. And the reason I say that is because there's times that even when we're at our lowest and we feel like giving up, sometimes we need to remind ourselves of where we started. I love that he went back to the place he gave his life to Jesus to re-give his life to Jesus because he wanted to end his life. And so, and some of you are at that place. Now, maybe you can't physically go to where you gave your life to Jesus, but remember that moment. Remember that time and go, yeah, you know what? This is the purpose and the calling, the passion and the deliverance that God gave me. I, I have a friend who, he he had a drinking problem and he gave his life to Jesus and he said, God released me from that instantly. And so the power to move through that, you know, we have to remind ourselves of those. I'll even go further. If it's not just that, that you know, salvation moment, maybe it was that miracle moment that you had. Maybe that you're, you're believing for a healing and you're like, but I don't know, but you have to remind yourself of what has happened in other people's lives to show you how true and real God is. You got to go back to those moments because if you're looking at the now, sometimes that now will, will, will not get you forward, but the then will remind you what God did then and what God will do now. And so having those moments is so huge to remember. Remember when, when Jesus, especially those young believers who you just gave your life to Jesus. Remember, this is, this is just the beginning of what God has for you. And he has a purpose and he has a plan for you. So keep 
going. Remember what God did then because he wants to do even more now. Yeah, that's, I love that. I, I'm, because I have nothing to say right now. I was, I was, I was just sitting back from the mic. Uh, yeah, I remember one, one very clear moment of my life. Uh, the first time I felt God, mm-hmm. like the, now in, in my, in my teens, there was moments of, a lot of moments of yelling. Mm-hmm. Where are you? Yeah. What are you doing? What, this, mm-hmm. this is it. I'm a person that tried to commit suicide on a handful of occasions. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a desperation moment. And I, I say this to people that I tell my story to that when you can't even kill yourself, right. Mm. You know, mm. when the gun jams and you're like, I can't even do that. Right. You're lost then. You know, I, I met, I met Christ for the first time. And I said, hello to him. At that point, I did, I would end up not giving my, giving my life for about another two months, but he said, Hey, I'm here. Mm-hmm. I was in, I was staring at a mailbox in a court appointed rehab when I was 19 years old, looking up from like a, a third, third story, looking down at this mailbox. And I remember that feeling mm-hmm. that there's just desperate, like what, this is it. Now what? Mm-hmm. And there was an overwhelming rush of God. Yeah. And it was, it was like a, I got this. Yeah. I got this. Yeah. Like a, are you, so you're finally listening. Mm -hmm. So I got you, I got you. Are you you good now? You, are you ready to listen? Yeah. Now fast forward, uh, almost 20 years at the end of the month, I'm going to have 20 years clean and sober. Nice. Got, you know, it's all by the grace of God. But last year, um, at the 4th of July, I, 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 as you, as you, as you brought up your, your, you should go back to that moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, me and, and Jen and the kids went and went to go see fireworks downtown and we parked our car, uh, right next to that mailbox. Oh gosh. Right. So, uh, hmm. and it's, it's downtown, right? So yeah, I, I look at that mailbox a lot, hmm. like yeah. from time to time when I drive by mm-hmm. and, uh, I remember I parked the car next to this mailbox and we opened the, the moon roof and the kids were, I don't know if I think they were tired, <laughs> but I had kids and I looked over and there's a, a, a wife that's so perfect for me yeah. that I, I was disqualified from these things prior to, mm-hmm. but then God said, do I have your attention? Yeah. Because if you do what I need you to do and I need you to do something big, I know you can do it. Yeah. And I've let, I've let you kind of self-destruct because you're going to go to school here for a minute and you're going to learn how to perform surgery to the broken. Yeah. Oh, come on. God is so good that he will give us beauty out of the ashes and yeah. he let you have that moment yeah. to take you full circle. I, I look at this life. mailbox and then I looked at everyone who's in my car. Yeah. Oh, come on. That's and so I looked good. at that mailbox and I'm like, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it's interesting too, going, you said when the gun jammed, your mindset was, I can't even get that right. Where my mindset, which I do believe this is your mindset now is thank God that the gun didn't work. Like, thank God that he allowed that, that gun to jam. You know, that's a miracle. That's a miracle that happened. And so, so you can say I've witnessed many miracles and that's one. 
mm-hmm. because come on, we can we can say, well, it's this, this, and this, or it could just be God said, no, yeah. my plan for you is bigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it so, was a moment where you felt weak, yeah. but God was strong. Oh, come on, yeah. Yeah. stop it. That's been a dream. It, that's been the dream of my life recently mm-hmm. to to know what it means to surrender and to fully surrender. Come on. And, in all of those moments where I start to feel that that welling and that rising of, oh God, but what if that I would just stop and put my hands up and say, but not my will, but yours. And I really feel like um, a couple summers ago, I was praying and I was like, God, but why does it have, why are things this way? Like, I want to change this and I want to change that. And God was just like, it has to happen this way. You know why it has to happen that way? Because there is beauty in the ashes and only God can create that beauty. We cannot, we cannot alter the the path and the destiny and not the way that God is, is writing the story for us. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. I think that that's a great place to close. That's, that's good. Yeah. So good. Yeah. The Ken, Kendall, Kendall Bridges, uh, if you guys aren't familiar with him, um, I'll put his information down in the show notes, uh, Watch some of his sermons. Yeah. Follow his mission. Yeah. Like the man's story is, I'd like to say that the man's story is unique. Yeah. But it's not. Yeah. It's, I'd like to say that my story is unique, but it's not. Mm-hmm. All, the actions are all the same. Just yeah. the names and dates have changed. Oh yeah. And your story, I know is eerily similar to everyone else's on this faith journey. So mm-hmm. if you're listening, this and you're in a, you're in one of those seasons. Um, listen harder, because because God's probably probably screaming at you to listen. Mm-hmm. And if you're in a if you're in a moment of triumph, moment of victory, tell as many people as you can. Yeah, tell as many people as you can on the good things that God has done for you and through you. So thanks for joining us today for this episode of Chew on That. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode and think someone you know may benefit uh, from the topics we discussed, hey, please share the link to this podcast on your social media platforms. Hey, we'd also like it if you would uh, rate and review this podcast. And that's only because uh, with good reviews, good ratings, um, it just exposes more people to the life-giving message of Jesus. And that's really what we do podcasts like this for, is just to bring the word of Jesus to as many people as we feasibly possibly can. So for Pastor Dallas and uh, Megan, Mm -hmm. uh, my name is Pastor Keith. Uh, We can't wait to speak with you again uh, next week. We will, I am going to close the show though a little bit differently. So that's the end of my script. Uh, (laughs) But Pastor Pastor Kendall said something really cool um, that I think it's just good for any Christ follower, believer to, to listen. So we I'll sign off here and uh, I'm just going to play a last little song bite and we're not going to talk on it, but I think it's a good reminder for anyone to hear. But God uses imperfect people. He takes people who have limps. He takes people who has brokenness. He takes people who have messed up. And if they will surrender themselves and humble themselves before God, God can take them and use them to do greater things they could ever imagine.